don't forget that the PCPS is here because of listeners like you. We are a people-powered program fully supported by monetary contributions from our members on Patreon. We quite literally could not do it without you. If you'd like to become a supporter, visit our website or our link in bio and click on the Patreon link. You can join for as little as the price of one Swanson Frozen TV dinner. Just one! But that TV dinner goes a long way in helping us keep the lights on and the bills paid. Every dollar helps this podcast and this community grow, reaching more listeners and creating more episodes. And in return for your support, we'll send you thank you gifts in the form of podcast outtakes, videos of our recording sessions, and invitations to members-only events. Thanks to you, we think we have something pretty special going on, and we are just getting started. Thanks for your time, your support, and all those good vibes. And please enjoy the show. Over the river and through the woods. To the grandmother's house go. You guys, I loved singing that in choir every Thanksgiving. I did. The horse knows the way to carry the sleigh through the wide and dusty snow. Something snow. Over the river and through the woods. That's the best part. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Hello, world. There's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who found their movie times in the entertainment section of the newspaper. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we'll be celebrating what Thanksgiving means to us, TV, with a roundup of Thanksgiving episodes from our favorite sitcoms of the Gen X era. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Welcome to the first... Oh, sorry. (laughs) I was doing the Charlie Brown. Sorry. Oh, that or I was going to play Over the River and Through the Woods. To the Grandmother's Oswego. You guys, I loved singing that in choir every Thanksgiving. I did. The horse knows the way to carry the sleigh through the wide and just be snow. Something snow. Over the river and through the woods. That's the best part. Yeah. Okay. Oh, whoa. And I learned that. I mean, I'm sure you did, too. Um I learned that when I lived in California. So this idea, the snow was yeah. just so Oh, oh that's man, what I was magical. just going to say. Oh. Like in Houston, I just would be like, oh my gosh, a sleigh and a horse. A and, and, then, and then my yes. favorite part was, hurrah for the fun is the pudding done. Hurrah for the pumpkin pie. Oh, I didn't <laughs> know that It just seemed so fun. That was the end of it. One. <laughs> that I just and nailed I a, in perfect key, I, I'm sure. <laughs> I associated it with Little House on the Prairie. I yeah, just like, you kind of get the Laura yeah, yeah. and everybody in the sleigh. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. Big like blankets the, the very over first them. episode of mm-hmm. Little House. That's like kind of what they're in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like when they're going mm-hmm. to the grandparents' house, it seems. It's okay. really like that was our first lesson in Thanksgiving <laughs> over the river and through the woods. It, and then the, the way we the all book. started singing it. I did too. I got yeah. it from the Scholastic Book Order. Yes, I did too. <laughs> I did too. I got the same exact book it's, that means. It's, it's like a paper. It's like a it's a yes. it's a picture book, but it's like the paper, not the hardcover one. And, it, and, and it's, it's like all, maroon on the front. Yeah. And then all well, in my in my memory, it's all like oranges and maroons and golds because yep. Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. But then it's the lyrics of the song, but it's all drawn. Where yes. then you have that's why we have those images in our head. I bet that's exactly yeah. right. I didn't even put that together. That's mm-hmm. why I have those images, and they were all like Courier and Ives illustrations. Totally. Yes, right. Yeah. Oh my god, we had the same book. I know. I love that's it so, so cute. much. 
And the um and the when I hear it in my mind, it's all of the Charlie Brown kids in the back of the station wagon con- singing completely off key. <laughs> Over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. And I just love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Well, okay, let's welcome people. <laughs> welcome to the first installment of our annual Thanksgiving episode extravaganza. Every year I, like all of you, religiously watch Charlie Brown. And it's honestly, you guys, the most important thing about Thanksgiving to me. It's the number one most important thing. I could skip yeah. the turkey and go straight to Charlie Brown. Yeah, forget being thankful yep. for your family. Your no, health, no, no, your good no. fortune. Yeah, no, no. I want TV. I want. I mean, I, if I had to choose between a multi-course feast and Charlie Brown, I would choose Charlie Brown oh, yeah. hands down. Every we don't time. eat. We don't even eat Thanksgiving dinner anymore. Like a multi-course um, yeah. feast. We stopped that about. Oh, seven or eight years ago, we do lobster and you know oh. asparagus and Can whatever. And apparently, the house? first the first pilgrims always ate lobster. The truth is, I don't give a shit about turkey. I would I much don't and either. That, you're right. That is much more authentic because Plymouth, Massachusetts, was on. Yes, it was almost Cape Cod. It was not uh-huh. quite Cape Cod. Yeah, right. and I learned that that was not the first stop. <clears throat> well, we can talk about That's that right. later. The mm-hmm. yeah. flower made. Okay. We're going to be talking about the truth. Yes. <laughs> So, Charlie Brown, number one most important thing that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for <laughs> Charlie Brown. <laughs> but after everyone goes to bed, I stay up and I watch a lineup of Thanksgiving-themed sitcoms from the vault of Thanksgiving's past. And nobody else in my family cares to do this. I'm the one. that I'm the only one. And that's why I have to wait for everyone to go to bed. It's the perfect way to top off your holiday, whether it was good or bad, whether it was full of lots of food and family or full of lots of food and family, right? It doesn't, it does not matter. It's the Excellent perfect way point. to top off your Thanksgiving. Okay, I'll keep going. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's again, again, the pauses, it's not crickets. We're just like waiting for no. your next, your next thought. Right. Right. We're on the edge of our seats. Yeah. And, and part of the reason that I love this so much is because lots of time these, these characters are our friends. They mm-hmm. really are our friends from the past. It's like another form of Friendsgiving. That I'm having after everyone goes to bed. And some of those characters were around long enough to actually be considered family. When you think Mm -hmm. about um, Mm -hmm. Mary Tyler Moore or the Waltons or Little House. I can't remember if the Waltons had a Thanksgiving episode, but they had to. They had to have. Yeah. There's no way they didn't. Any holiday type of episode of a sitcom, I was all in for. I mean, I was all in for all, all in. of the episodes, yes. but oh my gosh, yeah. when you when you know you were watching the previews and you saw that it was going to be a Thanksgiving episode or a holiday episode or you know something holiday it was related, like a special, it's thrilling, it was a special. Right. Even though it was just an episode, a twenty-two minute episode of your favorite show, but it was like a, it felt like a special. Yeah, it's like they do Thanksgiving too. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Stars, they're just like us. <laughs> right. So um, first we have to acknowledge that many of these episodes would not happen today because they're based on an incomplete history, as we know, and there's no mention of the war that came after the feast. <laughs> um, but this is the story that we were taught. We had we had no idea until PBS was like, hey, you guys, <laughs> there's more. There's more. Um, actually, did you guys know that the Thanksgiving story that we were taught is taken mostly from a novel. Oh, that's what? not shocking. I did not yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what was the novel? So the novel, the the actual first Thanksgiving, there are only two primary sources from which we get our information, and both of them are about six sentences each. That's not very much information. And, of course, it's one perspective, right? Right. Um, 
But in 1889, a woman named Jane G. Austen, not the Jane Austen, but another Jane Austen, um, she published a book called Standish of Standish, A Story of the Pilgrims. And this is where we get Miles Standish and Priscilla. Mm. This is where we get all of the um, beautiful um, storytelling about what this feast actually represented, whereas in the primary sources, it doesn't actually say that. It doesn't say any of those things. Um, That book became a bestseller, and people started to interpret those stories as fact. That's what became the Thanksgiving story. And it's a novel. It's like like the biggest um, game of telephone ever, right? (laughs) One person sat and told Mm -hmm. the next person the story, and then they told the next person and the next person. And by Mm -hmm. the time it got to all of us, that story was so skewed. But we were like, this is what it sounded like to us. Right. <laughs> right. And then when your teachers start telling you, well, that's fact, right? If teachers in right. school start oh, telling you. Of course. Yeah. Teachers are always right. Teachers are always teacher. right. Um, but there is, I find this very interesting and very relevant to the times in which we live right now. So the first official federal Thanksgiving holiday was proclaimed by Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War. And he was looking for something to bring this divided nation together. We have this novel that tells us this beautiful story um, about people coming together who are you know, who are on again, off again adversaries. And he's like, I need to bring these adversaries together. And this is the story to do it. And by the 1920s, you guys, Thanksgiving was the most celebrated holiday in the schools. And that continued throughout the Gen X era when we were children. And then that gives schools tons of super fun, super inappropriate art projects. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> do you guys remember what art projects you made in Thanksgiving? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. I do. I I remember the brown grocery bag that we would make <gasps> yes. into a um, Native American vest. <laughs> oh, yeah. A vest. With a vest. Yes. With a feathered headdress. Right. Construct, made mm-hmm. of construction paper. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I definitely mm-hmm. remember that. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't bring out my craftiness um, from when I was in elementary school. Today, listeners, maybe you'll get a photo of this. I made a pilgrim hat out of construction paper. And I must say, <laughs> this was pre-glue dot. I mean, oh we used God. to do it pre-glue dot days, but I was able to That's use right. glue dots. And it, you know, put it on it for a minute. And let me just headphones. take your picture. And I'm uh, listeners look forward in stories uh, today or tomorrow. Do you remember oh, you are, like you are, when, oh. when yeah, we put, didn't have we we didn't have the on. glue dots, but and it required staples, <laughs> and so you'd have to sit at your seat and wait yes. for your teacher to come around with the stapler. Oh yeah, remember oh, yes. how exciting it was That's if you right? got to use the stapler? Like yes. if ever you got to use it on yeah. your own. Oh. Do you remember? Yes. Oh. Um, Watching your teacher staple things to like the bulletin board when they opened the staple <gasps> flat, yes. stapler flat, like and you would watch them and they'd hold it and then they'd pound up with their hand, that pound, pound. And yes. I would watch that as if I was watching a freaking magician. I was like, oh, me what too. is she I could doing? not understand how it worked either. Yeah. Like, no, I, I didn't either. Because like when she'd pull them out, they were still straight. They weren't bent, you know, yeah. like when you ever had to pull them out. And I thought, That's, how is that working? But isn't that this funny? Is why that we all wanted to be teachers. Because teachers right. are magic. I couldn't wait to do my bulletin boards. But isn't that funny? Because like now, think of the technology the teachers use. But yet, for us in the seventies, we were mesmerized by our teacher with the open stapler. <laughs> yes, my God, it's like the dark um, ages. And then, of course, we all made also another thing. We all made was you know the hand turkeys. But do you guys remember hand making turkeys. the turkeys? Yeah, the hand turkey. But then, do mm-hmm. you remember the turkey in art class where you would take? They would have all these colors of little tiny square. Um, 
tissue paper and you would put it over the back of your pencil and dip it in the glue and then stick it and then that would be the turkey feathers (gasps) and then the glue sometimes you would get too much glue on your on your tissue paper and then it would it would tear through and then sometimes you would look over and maybe you know jennifer across the table her little tissue paper feathers were so compact and it looked so beautiful and she had done them all in a pattern and then I don't know, someone like, <laughs> her name might have been Michelle, would look down at hers and be like, oh, why are mine so spaced out? And I want to do like that a lump. Yeah. Like a I loved, lump. anytime we got to do that, though, um, I think that was the type of craft and art that wasn't just for turkeys. I think we used that for other things as well. But we I made Easter one. bonnets with that with that technique, oh, with the pencil yeah. eraser, tissue mm-hmm. paper, glue technique. Yeah. I made, um, I, we... Um, made the hand hand turkeys when I was in college on my hall. We called it oh, our yeah. corridor, and then we would we put those turkeys on the wall. But here was the rub: we had to make turkeys of each other. We didn't. We had turkeys that represented all of the people on our hall, but I couldn't do one that represented me. I had to do one that represented maybe Martha Kunau, our dynamite benefactor, and then somebody else had to do one of me. And so that was. <laughs> That was a little awakening for me. Yeah. What, they, what was yours? My, do tell. Do tell. My turkey had leg warmers on yes. and a little speech bubble coming out of its mouth with swear words in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what does this mean, you guys? The, oh, when someone goodness. has to think of Kristen, I think of, you know, cussing <laughs> and um, leg warmers. Leg you warmers. guys, what did you guys, what are your memories of the Thanksgiving hot lunch at school? That was a big oh. deal, Thanksgiving hot lunch. I Don't totally you remember? That. Oh, really? I, I didn't, didn't take hot lunch. I didn't take I didn't, hot lunch. I except for Thanksgiving lunch I did, and I loved oh. the little stuffing. And then and then Thanksgiving you could invite someone to come. So like my mom would come for lunch sometime. Oh, how nice. You guys might remember one of my my memories that's the most burned into my brain, and our longtime listeners will remember this too, is I was a brand new student in November and fourth grade. So that's when you're, that's when maybe a new student is not getting talked to a lot or everyone's kind of wary of the new student. Mm -hmm. And like the first week of school, it was Thanksgiving hot lunch. And I was excited to have Thanksgiving hot lunch. And I did. And then we went to story time in the library and the new girl, me, barfed all over the library carpet, the hot, the Thanksgiving hot lunch. And then I get a vision of the, um, the custodian coming and sprinkling that stuff. That so smell. Like, Can you I, smell like, it? Like, like kind of mm-hmm. like bananas. It was mm-hmm. the oddest smell. Like rubber and bananas. It was yeah. Like rubber Because it was like soaking up the <laughs> oh juices. The mashed potatoes <laughs> and the pumpkin pie yeah. square. Because also when you had school oh Thanksgiving lunch, it wasn't a slice of pumpkin pie. They were these little pumpkin pie like squares. Squares. But mm-hmm. I will bet you anything that was the last year I had pumpkin pie or I had <laughs> Thanksgiving school lunch. <laughs> yep. Bet. I'm sure oh it was. Gosh. That's worse than dropping your lunch tray. Oh, yeah. oh, gosh, much yeah. worse. Yeah. Well, barfing the school. Well, barfing. There's levels to it, Kristen. Let me tell you what they are. They go like this. <laughs> okay. Worst number one is barfing the school lunch. Worst number two, barfing the Thanksgiving school lunch. <laughs> Level oh, three, barfing the Thanksgiving school lunch when you're the new girl. Yeah. Four, oh, the barfing the Thanksgiving oh. school lunch when you're the new girl sitting crisscross applesauce with all of your classmates <laughs> in the library. There's just no getting over that one. I bet you everyone in that class yeah. remembers you. Too. Oh, wouldn't that be exciting? <laughs> Listeners, if any of you remember, Miss Toth was our teacher. If you remember me, Michelle, 
barfing up the turkey. A lot of people are now going, oh my God, it's the girl who barfed Thanksgiving. Do you guys want to know, this is very informa- very good information for us. Do you want to know what the number one request of teacher, wait, let me think. Do you want to know what the number one request by Native people of teachers is at Thanksgiving time? Well, that they teach the history correctly. Um, well, that would be, yeah. Let's yeah. start there. Let's start there. Um, no, that they don't make construction paper feathers. Because apparently feathers are very sacred and you have to mm. earn them. And they don't come in primary colors, as we know, right? They, mm-hmm. They're actually animals. <laughs> and that, that makes me feel even worse about my Indian headdress from Stuckey's. Oh, yeah. The red and yellow and blue feathers <laughs> mm-hmm. on it. Right. But I just think that's really good information. They're like, please don't make construction paper feathers. Good to know. Yeah. So notice that today, today's TV, Thanksgiving episodes are never about pilgrims. They're always about dinner. about dinner. Like, they're just not going to touch that story because they know that it's not accurate. And dinner is great fodder for both comedy and sentimentality. So thanks. that's why you get a lot of Thanksgiving episodes. So when we talk about Thanksgiving today, please know that we acknowledge the fate of the Wampanoag people in this history. And we're sharing these TV episodes with full knowledge that these come from a different place and time. And if you talked with any of the people that were in these episodes, they know that too. They just didn't know it at the time because that's not what we were taught in school, which is what we've just discussed. But like I said, most TV shows are about dinner anyway. Dinner, dinner, (laughs) dinner. That's it. Even Charlie Brown is about dinner. Even Charlie Brown is all about the dinner, right? Did I tell you guys about the Thanksgiving party that Liam went to? No. You guys, this is the cutest idea. He was invited to a Thanksgiving party based on Charlie Brown and they served toast and popcorn and jelly beans. Oh, I love Isn't that. That's so cute. And they put tables in the backyard and they sat on lawn chairs. It was adorable. That is so sweet. It was I like want to go to one cool. of those. Yeah. Right? So cute. Toast. Yeah. Some toast yes. with butter. But we're not talking about Charlie Brown today <laughs> because we all know it by heart. Today, we are each going to be reaching into the vault of TV history and bringing you a classic Thanksgiving episode. Let's start with Carolyn. Elizabeth Montgomery in... Bewitched. Carolyn, what will you be watching on Thanksgiving after everyone goes to bed? Yes, I will be watching Samantha's Thanksgiving to Remember. The Bewitched episode that aired on November 11th, 1967 in season four. Obviously, none of us watched it in 1967, but thanks to those glorious after-school reruns that we were gifted with, shows like Bewitched are as much a part of our childhood memories as The Brady Bunch or Little House on the Prairie are. So, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Thanksgiving episode. The episode starts with Samantha Basting the Thanksgiving turkey in my favorite TV in that kitchen. beautiful house. Yes. So if, if everyone listened to our TV Homes episode, you will know that the Bewitched House is my favorite. And the kitchen is the best. She's putting the turkey back into the oven when she hears this loud thud in the living room. So she pushes through that great swinging door into the living room, and she sees that Aunt Clara has dropped in. Like literally, I know. I love her so much. Literally dropped in. 
you know, she's in the fireplace, and as usual, she's all covered in soot, and she's dazed and confused. Can we just take a moment to give Aunt Clara, played by actor Marion Lorne, the praise that she is due? She's I a master. Oh, she's oh my so gosh. freaking funny. She is. She played ditzy like no other. Her I'm face, sorry. How she blinks her eyes mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, yes. uh, 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 uh. <laughs> She always made me a little nervous, though, because, like, you know how she was always getting them kind of into some some pickles? Oh, yeah, <laughs> her spells were a lot. So yeah. mm-hmm. I was always, I loved her, but I remember I always was a little uneasy, like, oh, what's she going to do to mess this <laughs> oh, up? I, Here comes yes, Aunt I have that in my notes. Yeah. I had mm-hmm. that, um, whatever you call that, embarrassment for her that yeah. I would yeah. just go, oh, because she was she was that ditzy, people. It was a little worrisome at times. So, um, so yeah, so she drops in through the fireplace into the Stevens living room, and what happens is she decides that she's going to stay with them for Thanksgiving dinner. So she's sitting with Tabitha telling her the story of the first Thanksgiving. Oh, Aunt Clara, will you will you tell us about the first Thanksgiving? And she says, oh, yes, it was a blast. Yes. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> she wistfully reminisced about Miles Standish and John Alden and commented to Tabitha that the first Thanksgiving was a blast. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe remember? a blast? Don't you remember? Miles so Standish, what a cutie patootie. <laughs> so um, so her wistful nostalgia now finds her wanting to revisit Plymouth. And in her very own mixed up way, she ends up reciting a spell just as Gladys Kravitz walks in to borrow some sugar. And everyone, including Gladys, is transported back in time to the first Thanksgiving. <laughs> Oh my goodness! And does does Gladys Kravitz still have? Yeah, she has her measuring cup in her hand. Yeah. So when she they still land has in it. Plymouth, does she still have uh-huh. it? Yes. Yeah, she oh, does. Oh God! It's so, so they funny. land in Plymouth in their present day clothing. Their clothing from present nineteen sixty seven. Burbank or nineteen sixty seven. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but they soon realize that's not going to help them kind of blend in. So Samantha does a little bit of her um, witchery, and they all are transformed. She into- wiggles her lips. Yes, ding a ding a ding. That's right. Um, yeah, so then they're all clad in the appropriate um, clothing. Although I want to stop right now and say that the costumes and the set from this episode could have easily come from the elementary school down the street. Yes, I mean, that is it was, true. It was bizarre. I mean, for as cute as that TV home was and how lovely that right. was. You know, 17th century Plymouth was literally, I think, borrowed from, you know, Burbank Elementary School. It was all construction paper. Yes. The whole thing was made out of construction paper. I think the real MVP of this episode, though, is Darren's wig. Yes. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. The wig. It's like a bob, um, and it's like parted in the middle, but it's a little askew, and it's kind of messy. And it's, it's like the other men... Miles Standish and all these other men, they have like their regular hair. It's, but it's, it's like almost Richard like Carpenter's little elfin haircut. <laughs> yes. I just think that it's, <laughs> it stole the show. It's right. so good. So here's what happens Aunt Clara now has got to try to remember the incantation that's going to bring them back to modern time. But in the meantime, Samantha, she's a little bit excited. And particularly so when John Alden comes and knocks on their door and invites them to the first, well, at this point, they didn't says, know it was the first Do you want to come to the first Thanksgiving? <laughs> invites them to dinner. <laughs> and you guys, did you take a quick, I mean, a really good look at, at John Alden? I figured it out, but it took, uh, it took me a long time. It, oh, no, it I didn't. Me, I didn't notice it. Who is oh, it? Yeah. Oh. And I didn't look. I didn't look. I was like, I have to come up with it on my own. 
Oh, you're well, I came up with it on my own too. Um, so if you look closely, we are gifted with a younger Nels Ol- Olson. <gasps> Can you even believe it? Yes, okay, I have to go back. Alden is Nels Olson. Yes. It's when they're um at eating actually later in the episode and he's sitting right next to Darren. So he gets a lot more screen time and a mm-hmm. little bit closer up that I was like, kind of like you, I recognized him. And then I'm like, that's Nels. And <laughs> well, it's only enough, six years. It's only six years yeah. before Little House. So you look just he, like him. Yeah. And okay, I've never great. seen him in anything else ever. It's that's Little great. House and Bewitched. That is that is all. Right. I kind I mean, of I'm sure he after. did other things, but still. Like, you know, these kind of actors at that point, character actors in sitcoms, you know, they go and audition, and I guess he fit the John Alden bill to the, you know. <laughs> I got the John Alden on Bewitched. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So here we are um, in six, 17th century Plymouth and going to try to fit in and assimilate as best as they can until Aunt Clara can remember the spell to get them back. And um, what we all know about this time is that the penalty for being a witch, if you all recall, is being burnt at the stake. So they do not want to obviously be um, recognized as having any witchery going on. So as they all try to assimilate, Darren is really the one that has the hardest time trying to fit in. And some people become suspicious of him as wig. he stumbles his well, his wig is one. <laughs> Why sure. dost thou have thus Bob on your right? Head? And he stumbles his way through speaking pilgrim, which he oh, is yeah, amazed right. that Samantha can speak <laughs> that Samantha speaks fluently. Speaking pilgrim consists of saying things like "good morrow" and using <laughs> words like "whence" and putting "ths" at the end of many words like "speaketh" and "cometh." <laughs> But he puts the THs on the wrong kind of words. And so, and then in the morning when people are saying good morrow, he's like, hi, how are you? Are you having a good day? <laughs> and they are, he's, he's oh, a little that different. Darren. So he's, he's sticking out for sure. Oh, so and he the, says, is everything okay? And they're oh, like, yeah. okay is not even a word. <laughs> you can't say okay. Everything <laughs> okay? Right. So he's on a few people's radar. And those oddities coupled with the fact that he is seen lighting a match, which of course had not been invented yet, cause him to be accused of being a witch. How ironic. I know. I, that's what I have right here in my notes. Ironic, <laughs> isn't it? It's like you cheated and looked at my notes. So fast forward, we're going to have a, a trial and um, to see if Darren is indeed a witch. And Aunt Clara still hasn't remembered the spell to get them back. We're, we're in a race against time here, people, because... We don't want Darren to get burned at the stake. Oh, my God. I know. Can you believe? So, Samantha saves the day, you guys. She didn't even really have to do any witchery. She has this impassioned speech, and she tells the jury that if they simply use differences as a way to determine if someone is a witch, then what a slippery slope that is going to be. Because what if your name is pronounced differently or you look a little different? Does that mean you're a witch? And you see everyone kind of contemplating that, like, oh, what could that mean? That's your Thanksgiving sermon right there. Yeah, it was so, so involved. It was so it was such an evolved right. message and an evolved speech for 1967, <laughs> exactly. I thought. Exactly. During yeah. the civil rights era is yeah. really what it was. Yes. She made some excellent points and illustrated so beautifully what happens when people are threatened by those who are different than they are. And she ends her speech by questioning if that is the way these pilgrims think this new world should be. And she says, 
the hope of this world lieth in our acceptance of all differences and the acceptance of our common humanity. Boom, mic drop, amen, and hallelujah, Samantha Stevens. Me thinketh our country could use that (laughs) message right about now. That's well, some heavy think, stuff for Bewitched. Yes, but that's as serious as Bewitched ever got. Yes, I loved I this really episode agree. when I was a kid, and I haven't watched it probably since like 1970. I don't know five. And but when I started watching it again, I was transported back. You know, you have those Husker Du moments mm-hmm. where you're like, "What? Right. What just happened?" I, I got sucked back in the vortex. But Samantha's speech would have gone right over my head when I was like six, seven years old watching it. But I loved it watching it this past week. The only thing I have to say is that part you just quoted, Carolyn, I found Mm -hmm. so like almost depressing when I thought, like I said earlier, how evolved is that, that they had that speech in 1967? Yay, cheer. Mm -hmm. Let's say, yay, go. That's amazing. But when she talks about we should be celebrating our differences and whatever, sure, we've come a long way, but I thought, do you know how many years it's been since 1967? I'll tell you. It's been 55. (laughs) Yeah. We're still yeah. needing that message, though. So many people still need that message And we're today. fighting exactly. it harder than ever. People and that made me a little bit sad. Worse. That made me a little bit yeah. sad. Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, it's a timeless message. Um, and I know right now, because you're probably on the edge of your seats, is, so is he found to be a witch? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's is the, he not? happened. Yeah. So luckily... Her speech was so persuasive that, no, he is not found guilty of being a witch. But yet, we still haven't gotten back to present-day time. But lo and behold, Aunt Clara remembers the spell. Wing of fire, eye of flame, take us back to whence we came. And boom, (laughs) they are back in that great living room. However, still in their pilgrim outfits, mind you. But they're in that 1967 living room. And even Gladys... And when she notices, of course, that she's still in her pilgrim costume, she is so excited because now she can show Abner that she hasn't been crazy making up these stories. So she runs across the street and is yelling, Abner, Abner, as she does. And Samantha, just in the nick of time, sees it and wiggles her little nose. And right as Gladys is about to walk into her um, front hallway, she's back in her regular clothes. So, Sorry, Abner. She, yeah. So mm-hmm. once again, she was thwarted in her um, attempts <laughs> to to prove the neighbors are strange. So this episode then ends with Aunt Clara, Darren, Samantha, and Tabitha gathered in that wonderful dining room, eating their Thanksgiving. And Aunt Clara suggests that with Christmas coming up, maybe she could bring Tabitha to the North Pole to meet Santa Claus. <laughs> so can I did seen. not think that's where that was going. I thought they were going to go back to Jerusalem or something. Oh, jeez. I was like, oh, what? You're going to take Tabitha back to meet Jesus? Another thing I loved about this episode, though, is at the beginning when Samantha has to run up and tell Darren that Aunt Clara is here. I always loved how she said Aunt Clara. I loved how Samantha said Aunt Clara. Clara. Aunt Clara. Clara. The L was so defined. But anyway, Mm -hmm. she tells him, oh, Darren, Aunt Clara's here. And he's like, what? I really just wanted it to be the three of us for this Thanksgiving. She's like, well, we can't turn her away. Like, she's alone. She has to be here. And I kind of loved that they had that in there because that's a very real conversation Mm -hmm. between a husband Mm -hmm. and a wife. And it's a very real feeling that a lot of families have at Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. God, I wish it could Mm -hmm. just be the three of us or whatever. And then at the end, when they're going to have dinner, doesn't Aunt Clara say, you know what? I'm going to go. I'll see you soon. Doesn't she leave the the dinner? And then it is just Mm -hmm. the three of them. And you're like, I kind of love that that little 
that very relatable, um, you know, scenario was put in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just um, a fun, all-encompassing, happy-feeling Thanksgiving episode. So I encourage all of our listeners to cue that up for Thanksgiving evening. Well, the episode that I watched um, is one of another fan favorite, I think. Here's the story of a lovely lady who was bringing a tree. Interestingly, it's technically not a Thanksgiving episode because this is the episode of the Brady Bunch called The Un-Underground Movie, Season 2, Episode 4, but it aired on October 16th. 1970. And we all, I think, think it's the Thanksgiving episode because of the storyline, but it actually aired in the middle of October. So um, this is, I, I don't know about you guys, but I always loved the episodes where they were performing or coming up with skits. Those are my favorite Brady Bunch episodes, hands down. And so this episode was always one of my very favorites when I was a kid. Um, and like we said earlier, you know, Obviously, this one is ripe with <laughs> with a lot of blunders, exploitations, and just the entire cliche of the Thanksgiving story. Um, and in a minute, you guys, I'm actually going to share what Barry Williams and Christopher Knight have to say about that today, oh, um, which makes me very happy. Um, but anyway, let's get into it. So here's the story of a... <laughs> In my notes, I have, so here's the story. And when I just thought, looked at that, I only could sing it. Here's the story. Uh, if you remember, Greg's groovy history teacher wants them to come up with a creative way to report on the colonies, not on the first Thanksgiving or anything related to Thanksgiving, just on the colonies. So Greg decides to use Mike's spiffy new Super 8 video camera or Super 8 no, no, camera because no, no. it's not video. Camera. It's a movie There's camera. No video. Right. Yeah. 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 So Greg's decides to use Mike's um, spiffy new Super 8 movie camera to make a movie about the pilgrims. And um, Carol and Mike are all in. They think this is a great idea. Greg, this is a great idea. You know, Mike is even like, yes, you can use my new movie camera. Mike and Carol go all in to help out. And they kind of overstep. I mean, for instance, the very first night, uh, Mike, they hear something. What's that you hear? Do you hear a noise? Do you hear a noise? And yes, they hear the click clacking of the old timey typewriter from what a floor down and probably a hundred yards over <laughs> yes, in the right. bonus room. But yet Carol must have the hearing of like, you know, a dolphin because like, she clack, can clack, hear clack, it. Clack, clack, She's clack, like, Mike, clack. what's the this? bionic woman. Right. What's yes, this? Right. What's this you hear? Well, it's Greg up late working on a script and he's so into it. He can't wait. And they're like, well, you know, son, you better get to bed. But then Mike looks over his shoulder. Oh, he has some notes for Greg. So he steps in and he kind of takes over the writing of the script. Um, Everybody in the family kind of gets involved full force. And this is where a lot of cultural appropriation begins. Mike wants the Indians to say how. Um, Alice comes in. when and she's painted her face with um, like oh, cold God. cream, like cold cream, and she actually says, "Then the painted face of a red man appears stealthily through the leaves." They're all so excited. Carol takes over the costumes. She wants to dress them all in colored floral dresses, even though I love this line so much. Greg insists they wore black and white in Pilgrim days. <laughs> <laughs> don't know that. The girls all want to be Priscilla. Um, The boys both want to be Indians. Yikes. They're running around chasing each other, yelling and hooting and hollering like Indians, but like very much like the little boys in the early 1970s played cowboys and Indians, right? right. It's it's very- Think of the things you did when you played Indians. 
And mm-hmm. I remember getting in trouble for doing that, actually. One oh, time. oh, really? Oh, that's those, evolved? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I didn't understand why I was getting in trouble. Well, so they, everybody is basically running the show. Greg finally breaks and just says, the movie's off. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. You guys all basically took over my project. Well, this isn't actually a kind of an interesting moment in a Brady Bunch episode because Mike and Carol come up to Greg and apologize to him. You know, usually you have the dun, 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 dun. And it's usually Mike and Carol coming in to have a chat on the bed with one of the boys where they're kind of giving him a lesson. And in this case, the tables are kind of turned because they come in and say, you know, we're really sorry. We're going to tell everyone that you're the boss. So now the play resumes. And so the cardboard sets are being pulled out. Um, Better than Samantha's probably oh, yeah. on Bewitched. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Paper hats, uh, costumes are very plain, although I mean, they're still really good because Carol's a freaking genius behind the sewing machine. <laughs> oh, um, my gosh. The filming starts- If you wondered what she did in her spare time. <laughs> right, right. Well, we know. Yeah, she mm-hmm. she can- Man, she can sew. The filming starts, and it's just classic Brady fun. Cultural appropriation all aside, it's just super fun. One thing I thought was interesting in rewatching it is Mike does try. He actually says, the Indians were friendly at first. They didn't start fighting until their land was taken away. It's still cringy. In today's world, but let's try to stay in 1970. I was shocked, though. Yeah, despite all the hows and the costumes, which I'm fairly certain, like Kristen, they got at Stuckey's, um, mm-hmm. and we all probably wore at one point in our childhoods, yep. right? Mm-hmm. It was actually quite out of place in the episode, and I was shocked that he said that line. Well, actually, the Indians were yeah. were friendly, and they until they got their land taken away, and it and it, it made me wonder: Did Robert Reed? Make did he insist upon that? It's Doesn't very it possible. Like it would yeah, be in his character to be like, I'm not doing the scene unless I can tell the truth. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is very possible. Um, just knowing what we know about how he handled mm-hmm. all the scripts and everything. Um, yeah, but that scene is really is really important and it's good because this is a scene where Bobby and um, Peter dressed in just the total cliche. You know, the headdress, mm-hmm. the paint, the red and yellow. You know, of course, I think yes, paint on their yellow. face. Uh-huh. And they want to be mean. They want to be, you know, and then Tomahawks he's saying, no, they're nice. And, and yeah. he's, yeah, he has to have a talk about how they should, be, how they should act. Um, and then Alice comes in and like I said, she steals the show. She forgets to take her mustache off when she changes from John Carver <laughs> to the pilgrim lady. Yeah, she's playing two parts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Greg gets mad at everyone for goofing off. Um, they're all having a great time. Peter can't stop. He's in charge of the snow box at the top, which has, you know, it's Classic. a big box with little yeah, holes. And he's just shaking. I love this episode because Styrofoam he's supposed peanuts. to shake mm-hmm. every time. Uh, Greg says, snow. Well, they're all, you know, it's just the comedy of errors. You can tell they're styrofoam <laughs> peanuts, but what I think is interesting is they ask, one of them asks what they used and the girls say, oh, we dyed, we painted cornflakes white and used mashed, mashed potatoes, four boxes of it. And Mike says, well, it's expensive snow. And you're like, <laughs> clearly styrofoam peanuts falling from That's the box. styrofoam but, um, peanuts for sure. But then at the end, the snow gets stuck, so Peter just dumps the whole box, and everybody's supposed to be cold, and they're running and jumping around, and it's absolute chaos, and it's just so fun. But then the best part for me always was when they all gather in the living room with, of course, it's like a big event. They've got their popcorn. They've moved the furniture out of the way. They've pulled up the giant screen that we all had in our homes, I'm sure, Mm -hmm, when we watched movies. You know, you can hear it still getting pulled up, can't you? And then the little clippy on top that you, you know, clip the hook in. 
And they're going to watch Greg's finished film. And I loved this part so much as a kid. And watching it again the other day, I like was so excited when that part came. It's the um, best part of the show. Greg puts yes. in special effects and he says, yeah, like in those artsy movies. <laughs> but, you know, it starts out with the little, like, you can tell it's a blow up, like a little or a plastic pool with the, the Mayflowers kind of floating on its side. <laughs> I, I really love it. feel like they, this was their opportunity to almost make fun of themselves. Like they get to do all this overacting right. and, um, and it's super campy and it's like the Brady Bunch making fun of the Brady Bunch. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny you should mention that. So, um, Oh, I have to say at the end, he comes in. The groovy history teacher gave me an A. Um, <laughs> I love it. That groovy teach, history teacher. So, um, yeah. So, Kristen, uh, I had thought this. Knowing what we all know about Robert Reed, um, yeah. I, when I was watching this, I was wondering how he was all in on this episode. And I'm not the only one. You're not the only one who wondered that because I listened to the episode of the Real Brady Bros podcast, which listeners, I love this podcast. It, if you're a Brady Bunch fan, I've mentioned it before, but it is just a treat. It's Barry Williams, who played Greg, and Christopher Knight, who's Peter. And it's basically them taking 30 minutes and they go through an episode. And it's not only them kind of dishing on it and making fun of a lot of it, but it's also them really honoring the the memories that they have of it. So they're not, you guys know how much I love behind the scenes stuff, right? So they're giving all the things that we didn't see that was happening and from their memories. And um, so I have some, some fun things from that episode of the real Brady bros that um, they mention about this, uh, this episode from 1970. Um, one of the things is when they're talking about the super eight movie camera, that's really the centerpiece of the episode. They both wonder if, it was the genesis for this. They say, I love stuff like this. They say Christmas a couple of years after this. So they think it was Christmas of 72. Robert Reed took all of them to England. And for Christmas, like he gave them- in real them, life? Yeah, in real life. And for Christmas, oh he gave God. them all, all the kids, he gave them all Super 8 movie cameras for Christmas. Aww. And so you know how we talked about in our Brady Bunch episode, you guys, and those of you listening who- um, have already heard that one. Great. If you haven't, we have a two-part Brady Bunch episode that's so fun. So go back and find that. But we do talk a lot about Robert Reed and how he was very difficult to work with. Um, and he was very, very uh, verbally abusive, I guess we can say without <coughs> apologizing or with, you know, with confidence to the directors and everything. But we do always say that we think the kids really, he was very sweet to the kids. And we, mm -hmm. even though the kids probably saw a lot of that, they they tried to do all of this when the kids weren't on set. And so just this thing that they, Barry and Christopher remember, that he took them all to England and gave them all Super 8 movie cameras, shows you that he did really like the kids and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, they both of them say right away, one of the interesting things they say about this episode is watching Bob because they say he is all in on this episode he and he is. wasn't Bob, all in. Robert Reed. Robert Reed. Yep. And they say he wasn't in. Yeah, he so is. I think you mm -hmm. have, you have a point, Kristen. I bet mm -hmm. that line was him saying, this is the only way I'm going to be all in on this. Right. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. 
because, um, oh, also both Barry and Christopher say that this episode was one of their very favorites because they had so much fun. Everyone was in the backyard together. Everyone got to be just goofy and silly and like not a lot of script for the kids, right? They point out things like, notice the wrinkled grass. It's just fabric they're standing oh. <laughs> on. And like they say, talk about anytime they're in the backyard, they're in a soundstage that above the fence, that's just a hand-painted sky that was like 65 feet tall called a psych. But you can really tell all of that in this episode. It's almost like that's waving a little bit. Carolyn, what were you going to say? I was going to say, it seemed to me in some of the parts that there was almost some improvisation. Like it wasn't necessarily all scripted what they were saying and doing. It just seemed like they were working off of each other a little bit. Well, they just got to have so much fun. Yes. Yeah. Well, Um, even at the end, like that, when they're watching the movie, I I swear to God, I think they're really watching the movie. Oh, fun. And that yeah. seems very unscripted. Like they're yes. really cheering for each other and something happens and they all laugh. That does not seem like now Marsha laughs and then yeah. Bobby laughs. Yeah. It seemed that like they were scene. actually watching the scene. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. But happily in this episode of The Real Brady Bros, both um, Barry and Christopher acknowledge that that movie today would be very very, very different. Nevertheless, he says the Brady Bunch was not going to take that on. They would do the conventional story that in 1970, we were all being spoon-fed, basically. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. And Christopher Knight said the depiction of the American Indians wouldn't be done the same way. And Barry Williams goes, you think? <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then Christopher said, again, agreeing with us, he said, but this is before anyone really questioned it. Because he said growing up, he grew up playing cowboys and Indians as a little boy. Sure. Um, Watching then, Western movies. Yeah, yeah playing right? cowboys and Indians. And then mm-hmm. they'd spend like five more minutes in the episode later talking about the stereotyping of the characters. Alice is cold cream. Carol saying, I come in peace. Um, but <laughs> Christopher says back then it wouldn't have been done differently. This is the story that was rooted in the time. So they definitely acknowledge the cliche of this episode and say, you know, that it would have been done differently now. And I appreciated that, that they too Mm -hmm. made sure that um, they could still really celebrate this episode like we're doing. It's a great episode. Um, But also it's important for us to all kind of say, you know, we all, we can recognize that that was then. (laughs) And it helps that the people in the show acknowledge that. That helps tremendously. I thought so too. Yeah. Yeah. I was really Mm -hmm. happy to hear that they did. Yeah. Bobby. The Indians were friendly at first. They didn't start fighting until their land was taken away. You mean the pilgrims took away all the Indians' land? That's right. Okay, are we ready to move on? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, the one I have for you is on every list of top 10 Thanksgiving episodes of all time. It's often cited as the best Thanksgiving episode of all time. And in my humble opinion, I think it's based on five minutes of the show. It's just on five minutes. Because when you're saying that right now, I'm sort of going, having just recently watched it, I'm sort of going, huh. It's just five minutes. It's five. (laughs) And I think also because it's so unexpected, it's completely divorced from the Thanksgiving story. And it's not even related to dinner. It's not even about dinner. Mm-hmm. And it gave us one of the only quotable Thanksgiving lines from a TV show in TV history. I'm talking about episode seven of the first season of WKRP in Cincinnati called Turkeys Away. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me, I'm living on the air in Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati, WKR. And like I said, there's about five minutes of unforgettable comedy in the episode, which is why it's why it appears on these lists. Um, and I give most of the credit to Les Nessman. WKRP's overly mm-hmm. earnest news reporter. So WKRP, as you all know, was a radio station in Cincinnati. And the station manager, Mr. Carlson, has this great idea for a PR stunt for the station. Just prior to Thanksgiving Day, when everyone is out frantically shopping in preparation for the holiday, Mr. Carlson plans a surprise to be revealed outside of a busy shopping center. And he keeps everyone in the dark. Everyone at the station has no idea what he's going to do, even Les Nesman, who's been assigned to cover the event live on the air. What Mr. Carlson has planned is to fly a helicopter over the busy shopping center parking lot and release a flock of turkeys into the air to soar and fly away dramatically. It would be like releasing doves at a wedding, right? But when he starts booting the turkeys from the helicopter, they just drop to the ground en masse, like (laughs) boom. And the audience, we, the audience watching TV, we never see this. We aren't watching turkeys drop from the sky. We're watching the WKRP staff listening to the live coverage by poor Les Nessman on the radio. (laughs) And he's on the scene providing commentary for the radio listeners. And he's like, oh, the humanity. (laughs) They're dropping like wet bags of cement. And the people are panicking and they're running, trying to get away from the turkeys. And the horror on the faces of Johnny Fever and Venus Flytrap and Andy and Bailey, the disbelief, this is where the comedy lies. And poor Les Nessman, he's just doing his job. He's He's traumatized. He's so traumatized. (laughs) But instead of this festive celebratory holiday reportage, it sounds more like he's witnessing the Hindenburg disaster. (laughs) I can't tell just yet what they are, but... Oh, my God, they're turkeys! Oh, Johnny, can you get this? Oh, they're crunching to the earth right in front of my eyes! Can you imagine what that must have looked like? Oh, my God. I know. Exploding turkeys basically (laughs) exploding when they hit the ground. (laughs) And it all culminates in Mr. Carlson returning to the office, disheveled and covered in feathers, delivering the most famous line from any Thanksgiving episode. This is like his tiny Tim moment, right? Right. As the credits start to roll, he says, As God is my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. (laughs) (laughs) And scene. (laughs) Yeah. Poor Les Nessman. Oh, it's so funny. When he comes into, I think, did you just say this? When he comes in, his hair's all messed up. And he's yes. like, like he's just been through the ringer. Yeah, he's got feathers in, like, in his pocket and in his collar. Well, yeah. um, I have a confession to make, okay, everybody? All right, uh-huh. here it comes. I had never watched this episode until last night. I, I, I've always heard about it. Um, and much like you said, Kristen, the Thanksgiving-ish part is truly like five minutes of it's the episode. It's just five minutes. <laughs> like, I actually... Two different times, turned it off and like went back to make sure I was watching oh. the right episode. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, there's nothing about, I know there's something about turkeys and they don't fly, but they drop. But, we're not even talking about any of that. I honestly thought it was misnamed or whatever. I was a little curious as to maybe why I hadn't watched it. So 
something I'd like to do. I went on to see what else was airing at the same time that oh, WKRP was oh, on. Um, it's, it's the Walton's Thanksgiving special. That's why she didn't watch it. <laughs> no. Close. It's the Fitzpatrick's. The Fitzpatrick's. No. Close again. That was when. It wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> this particular evening, it was Little House on the Prairie. Naturally. And then Little House on the Prairie was followed by the premiere of the TV movie Summer of My German Soldier <gasps> with Christy what? McNichol oh. that night. So no I am sure way. I was glued to NBC from the minute that Little House on the Prairie mm-hmm. came on till, you know, Christy signed off on Summer of My German Soldier. So that Which is was, a, that was my number one made for TV movie, wasn't it? I think yes, I do I think it was, was. And I still need mm-hmm. to go back and watch that. You know what? When um something funny about WKRP, so Brian and I watched this episode together a few nights ago. And, you know, from the instant the theme song starts, I feel like I'm going to cry because I was like, I God, I loved, loved this show. And I was like, I never what year it. was this? And I was like, how did I watch it? Because we had a lot of restrictions on our TV at different times. And I have no idea. And Brian's like, oh, I loved it too. And it starts. And, you know, we're a good 15 minutes in and both of us haven't laughed once. And Brian looks at me and he's like, why did we think this was so great and so funny? And I knew exactly why it was. I said... Because this was a show with all adults. We're kids, but we can watch it and we could get it. Like it wasn't risque. Like it wasn't a sh- It was a show that we could watch. There there were some jokes here and there, obviously, that some were- Some innuendo maybe a, here and there. Yeah, but, yeah, but, crazy. Yeah. but mm-hmm. we got it. We got the comedy because it was such dumbed down comedy. They were all like dad yeah. jokes and whatever. So I said, that seemed like the, that's probably why we loved it as kids because we thought that was the coolest thing to watch. And also the characters were all so cool. Johnny I mean, Fever, I was in love right? with Andy. Oh, yeah. it was I also had Johnny a girl Fever. crush on Bailey. I wanted her hair. Mm-hmm. I wanted- it was, it was all, it, we got it, and that felt really cool to us, I think. Yeah. And it must have moved around in its time slot because, again, I never watched it, and, but I know it was super popular, so I was, again, trying to think, why didn't I watch it? And so at least I think it was the 1978 season, and I looked at what was running against it. And on ABC, it was Welcome Back, Cotter, and oh, on NBC, mm-hmm. it was Little House on the Prairie. So, so still Little House on the Prairie. Yes. Mm-hmm. and um, That's a so, hard one to go up against. And, and I'm also wondering how the Welcome Back Cotter thing didn't, because I watched Welcome Back Cotter. Mm-hmm. Did I have to make a choice or did it maybe as time went on, the time slots changed a little bit? But I thought, wow, that that's some hard competition. For well, seriously, yes, when did mm-hmm. I watch it? Because I would have been watching Little House. So did I watch it? I have no idea. Right. Reruns well, in the summer when I was with my dad. I don't know. You probably saw it after school because it did go into syndication. Whereas I'm not sure if Welcome Back Cotter did. And I might have transitioned then from Little House a little bit to Welcome Back Cotter because I was kind of of that age where ooh, John Travolta mm-hmm. and all of that. And so maybe um, – that's what I did. Because I know later on in the Little House years, I wasn't like glued to it all the time. You know what I was thinking is I saw it just like you, Michelle. I saw that opening song, If You Ever Wondered, Wondered, Whatever, right? And I get and I get all the chills. I get mm-hmm. all the feels just listening to that theme song. And it made me realize that in the 70s, we had a lot of shows that got us acquainted with certain cities, Mm-hmm. WKRP right. in Cincinnati. Mary mm-hmm. Tyler Moore was in Minneapolis. One Day at Good a Time. Good Times was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. One Day at a Time was Indianapolis, right? Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And that was sort of a feature of that opening. What do they call it? The opening part with the music, the theme, the song? theme song. And they would show scenes from the city and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That was sort of a thing in the seventies. Do mm-hmm. we still Taxi have that was New York shows? City. Mm-hmm. Taxi was New York. Mm-hmm. Happy Days, Milwaukee. Oh my God! Listen to that. Yeah, yeah the list goes on mm-hmm. and on. How cool was that? Well, that was for some of us. Dallas our own, was Houston. Only exposure. Yep. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was Yep. Mm-hmm. Let's see if you guys were listening. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, WKRP. That is it for today. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll be back for our next round of Thanksgiving episodes in November of 2023. But for this holiday, we wish you a mitigated level of stress with mashed potatoes the way you like them and cranberries the way you like them, and hopefully a healthy dose of TV time after everyone goes to bed. And if you'd like to do something in recognition of the full history of the first Thanksgiving, one very simple thing you can do is look up whose land you are living on right now. Just knowing who lived here first is a really, really important acknowledgement we here in the twin cities are living on dakota land yeah and it's a really easy thing to do all you have to do is go on google and we will include a link um, in our email newsletter where you just enter your zip code and you get the answer immediately and our weekly reader is our free newsletter it comes to you every friday and this week it's also going to include some clips from the episodes we highlighted and maybe a recipe or two we'll see You can sign up for the newsletter by visiting our website, poppreservationist.com, or following the link in our bio on Instagram. Hey, listeners, do you want to know what we'd like more than anything for Christmas? I mean, besides like a good night's sleep or neck cream (laughs) that actually works. It's a simple wish, really. It's that this podcast and our society gets shared so that in 2023, all the Gen Xers in the entire world can find the same joy and connection through our shared memories that you do. And you can help by telling your friends, clicking those five stars, and leaving a review telling everyone else why you love the PCPS. And we also have a great idea for a gift for you. Why not ask for a Patreon membership? We now have a year option that gives a bit of a discount. And no matter what level of support you choose, you get monthly gifts from us, like groovy printables, bonus audio and video from the cutting room floor, gift packs in the mail, even invitations to occasional live Zoom events. We appreciate everyone's support, but our patrons are honestly next level, and we couldn't do any of this without them. So this week, we are giving a special shout out to patrons Megan, Jeremy, Robin, Stephen, Donna, Melissa, and Heather. We love you guys. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the cast of Three's Company. To good times. To happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. Love and it will keep moving on.